I'm reading from John chapter 4, verses 43 to 53. After the two days, he went forth from there into Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honour in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. Therefore he came again to uh, Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a royal official, official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you, you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. As he was going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household. Thanks, Brianna. We are expecting this morning. Let's praise God. God is good. We're expecting good things. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is life and truth and health to us. We thank you, Lord, for minds that are quick to receive the word and, and are open to the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you transform us, renew our mind, and that your word never returns void. Praise God. We've been doing a series on the righteous shall live by their faith, and um, we've worked our way through. We've defined what faith is, um, how we live by faith, how we grow strong in faith, and we've... Uh, few weeks we spent on spent about four or five weeks on faith must be released and then you'll notice in chapter six because i know you've all got your little booklet because i know you take it home read your notes and meditate on it you didn't get one there's a spare one in there all right uh number six i said faith must be kept switched on now uh, number seven you may note is about the prayer of faith and you might think it's odd that i put this chapter faith must be kept switched on before i put the prayer of faith but that's because I know you've got an ever-increasing faith and our faith is growing. And if I told you about the prayer of faith and taught them that, you'd be out moving mountains and doing all this and doing that. And You know, when we were at Bible college, there were these guys that, uh, that uh, said, I think, I think I want a new car. I think I'm going to believe God from a city, so I give away my Chevy, right? And they said, just went and gave away their Chevy. And uh, we had words for those kinds of people. We had a name for those kinds of people. Do you know what it was? A walker. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there's a lot more to this. Uh, however, faith is, faith is exceedingly simple. So we try and break it down into what is simple. Okay. So we're going to do part two of uh, Keep the Switch of Faith Turned On. And I told you where I got that um, saying from from a minister who had prayed for a child that had uh, legs that were curved out like that. And uh, although whenever we pray, we believe that the healing power of God is released, there was no visible sign. So he said to me, you must keep the switch of faith turned on. So whenever you uh, see the child or think of the child, you just say, Father, I thank you that your healing power was released into these feet. 
and that he that I believe I received the healing. And then when he returned to that church, he got the full story because it was really four or five days she kept believing that and saying that until she started to see any difference. So there is a very often a period of time between when we pray and believe we receive in faith and when we see anything happen. And I talked about some of those reasons last week. I just wanted to clarify because I did say last week that we that God never promised a, a miracle. Well, we... I need to clarify that because everything that God does is miraculous and all healings are miraculous. But I was referring specifically to uh, where the Bible talks about gifts of healings and workings of miracles, which are, uh, uh, so a working miracle might be if you don't have an eardrum and then the, that eardrum is, is created, but you don't have an eyeball and that's created. Um, and, and that's uh, um, is usually instantaneous and that's, uh, a gift of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit directs. But we do have the right to claim the miraculous for anything that God has promised us. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that today and what to do and and, uh, how to stand in the time of trial and just a few basic things. Uh, It's good to know when we're standing where the battleground is and... and, and, uh, what the battle is or what the fight is, the fight of faith, Paul said to Timothy, you fight the good fight of faith. And, and what the battle is that we're fighting uh, or how we need to stand once we have prayed and once we believe we received. In, um, and, and many Christians get confused on this because uh, it says in, in Corinthians, it says that the, the Satan is the God of this world who goes about deceiving. And there's all sorts of talk we can have about uh, spiritual warfare, and some of that's good and some of it's not helpful. Because uh, the, I'll give you, in, uh, in, 19, in the summer of, um, the winter of 1943, just after, um, I think it was 43 or 44, I believe it was 1943, the US president had approved a new battalion, a new army, and uh, in uh, in the in the military, and he took he took one uh, army of ten thousand, and he took a thousand people away, and he made this new army, a full army, with just a thousand people. But their job was to pump up inflatable tanks, inflatable trucks, uh, inflatable houses, and then they'd go and they'd cut out ditches for tracks behind these inflatable tanks and, um, and so that any overhead con- reconnaissance would, would see and think that there's a whole new battalion over there. And it had the effect of, of the, making the Germans change their focus away from where the real battle was going to be to where this new army was. There is a rumour that one of the sergeants got quite disgruntled and he went around with a pin and started letting down trucks and letting down tractors and letting down this and the colonel called him up and said son you've let the tanks down you let the trucks down you let the whole battalion down <laughs> but it is that's a joke but they actually <laughs> but they actually had i know you mightn't recognize it as one of my jokes because it was funny <laughs> nevertheless it was an actual fake battalion well, Satan, the Bible says, goes round as a roaring lion, not as, he's as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And it helps us to know where the actual battle 
line is. Yeah. All right? So I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures and then I'm going to tell you a few stories. So let's turn, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. Praise God. Anyone getting blessed so far? Yes. Hallelujah. I trust you're open to receive from God. Even if you heard this all before, it's good to hear it again. In Ephesians chapter 6, there is the, uh, the um, famous verses about the armour of God. I don't want to get carried away with the armour of God. Armor of God. Uh, there's a lot we can talk about that, but it, don't get too stuck into you know what the shield is and what the helmet is and all that sort of stuff. That's kind of beside the point. And, and other places, the Apostle Paul uses different uh, military descriptions. So... Right, let's not get stuck in it. Let's remember the main point. Nevertheless, Romans 6, chapter 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, that's just interesting. We'd probably just camp there for a whole sermon series. <laughs> Maybe we'll come back. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist on the evil day. Now, when the Bible talks about an evil day, it's a day of testing, a day of trial, a day of things that you really didn't, hadn't taken into account that come against you. And of course, there will be testings and trials coming in a sort of mega spiritual global sense. But, but if you lived life, you know that there's some days are evil. Yeah. Some days things come against you. But it says, take this full armor that you may be able to resist on the evil day. That's the word resist. And having done everything to stand, stand there for. Now, some monk in, I don't know what century, 8th, ninth century, came and put verses and dots there. But I think you can see that the point the Holy Spirit's making through the Apostle Paul is there's things, and then he lists things, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, and shoe, the God, uh, gird your loins with truth, the gospel, uh, the shoes of the gospel, and uh, and above all, he says, covering all things, lift up the shield of faith, which is able to quench the, the fiery darts of the enemy. Which tells me this, guys. It tells me when the enemy sends fiery darts your way, the primary thing he is going to target is your faith. It also tells me that the primary resistance to that is your faith. Amen. Now, the only weapon there is everything there is designed to stand, having done all to stand, stand uh, therefore. So Paul is his Holy Spirit through Paul is assuming or, or he's, he's telling you that there's certain things about righteousness that you're going to need to know if you're going to stand. Yeah. 
And there's certain things about your salvation, what Jesus has done for you on the cross, what he did when he rose from the dead, what it meant to be seated. Those things you're going to need to know and you're going to have to have them deepen you so that you're able to stand. And it's going to have to be true, guys, not some fairy tale, not some story that some pastor told you. It's going to have to be truth because you can't stand on things that aren't true. And so you've got to gird your loins with that truth. And then when, when, when it's taxed, the evil day starts to come, you remember your righteousness. You remember your salvation. You remember uh, what God's done for you. You remember my job is to preach the good news. That's what I'm going to do. It's the power of God for salvation. Preach to yourself the good news. That'll help. Hallelujah. That way you can mark your own book. Yeah, very good. Spoke very well, very funny. (laughs) Preach to yourself, right? And then and then over it all, cover it with the shield of faith. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. So that tells me the time before we pray for something, and and when and sometimes that can be minutes, it can be seconds, it can be hours, it can be weeks, it can be years. There's a stand of faith that we have to stand. Right? Now, the second one, before I start telling you some stories, I want you to turn, please, to Matthew chapter 13, parable of the sower, which we're all very familiar with. I saw, Chrissy, that you did a Bible study on that the other day. Is that right? If I I stray in my teaching, you promised... And just tell me privately afterwards. Got my notes here. You got it. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, we know the parable of the sower. You know what the sower goes out to sow, to sow. And he sows the word of God. And then Jesus describes four types of soil. But I find it interesting when he describes the issues that arose where that soil therefore became unproductive. So you'll find uh, with most that, that really, and this church is an exception because we're all abounding in love and exceedingly growing in faith. Amen? Amen. We all read our Bibles, five chapters a day, five days a week. Okay. But the other churches, you'll find that there's really only one in four people normally that really go anywhere near their full potential. Right? And, and he tells us here, uh, we'll start in verse um Verse 18, he tells us what the issues are. Listen then to the parable of sower. When anyone hears the word of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. The first thing that Satan will try and bring is confusion. The word there, uh, understand, I think the, probably the best colloquial expression for that, and it's not able to join the dots. That's it, actually, a, well, I think if I was to write a Bible, that would be anyone who hears the word and can't join the dots. Uh, what that means is you've heard something, you've even accepted it as true, but you, you haven't been able to fit it into, well, how does that apply to my life? What does it apply to this teaching? How, so anyone who hears, hears the scripture and doesn't understand it, Satan will bring confusion, he'll bring an argument against it straight away, it's snatched away. So the first thing we need to do is to make sure we understand it, which is why you've got these little booklets. (laughs) So you can take them home, think about it, look up the scriptures. 
But understand there that the assault, Satan's assault, is on your faith. And then he goes on to say, he goes on to say, uh, the one who's sown, uh, the one sown with seed on the rocky places, this is the one who hears the word, receives it with joy, that doesn't have any firm root in himself. It is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately falls away. So one, if, if, if Satan can't, just and consider this Satan is attacking your faith. Yeah. Yeah. You might be born again. Trust you are. You may be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. If you're born again, you are. But if you don't know that, or he can persuade you otherwise, he's nullified in you. So it says persecution will come because of the word. So in two, that can happen in two senses. Uh, Satan will start to bring doubt or, or, or say, I've got to listen to this teacher or that teacher. And, and, and then, but also he will try and test you on that issue. All right? Is this not what Jesus said? Did Jesus say this? Yes. You're allowed to answer that. Yes. Did Jesus say this? So I figure this is what's going to happen. So, that, uh, so the, it's, when it says it has no firm root, that means it hasn't got down where you said, yep, I'm prepared to stand on this. Because yeah. when the persecution comes, you need to stand. All right? You need to then, having done all to stand, stand therefore. How long do you stand? As long as it takes. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And you can do it. There's grace for it. Yeah. All right? Um, faith is simple, but sometimes it's not easy. Faith is simple. It's good to keep it simple. Just keep it simple. All right. So we come back to the end of the story of the uh, the nobleman and the nobleman's son. It's an interesting story. This one, very interesting. So he lived in Capernaum. Which, if you've got a, a map of of Israel, is at the northern part of Capernaum uh, of the of the Lake of uh, Sea of Galilee, right at the very top. Now, Jesus, I'm trying to do this backwards. Uh, I better need to do it this way. Okay. You like my haircut, by the way? <laughs> right. So, can you see the bald spot? Maybe just lean my head forward like that. All right. So, Capernaum's up there. You've got the Sea of Galilee, and down here you've got Nazareth, where Jesus grew up. And then all the way down there, you've got Samaria down here. And all the way down there, you've got Jerusalem. So Jesus started his ministry uh, in, in uh, his first miraculous thing that he did uh, in, in the Galilee, they call it, up there, uh, was when he turned water into wine. Remember? He was sort of forced into that miracle. And then it says that he went down to the temple and... Uh, Apparently, well, I'm going to say apparently, there were many, many miracles that happened when he was in the temple, but we don't know what they were. And, and, you know, the Apostle John says, if I wrote every single miracle down, there'd be so many, you couldn't carry the book around. It's heavy enough just carrying, you know, one of these around. But uh, you couldn't carry it around. But we don't know. But what we do know, because 
of all the miracles of Jesus, I think there's like 37 that are listed, but John said there were so many more. But there were many things happening down there. And so word trickled up from, from Jerusalem all the way up, you know, all the way up to Galilee. And they, it, the Bible says they heard of what Jesus was doing. Who knows that faith comes by hearing? Yes. All right. And, and in a very sort of um, basic sense, uh, you can hear and see of God doing miracles in other people's life. And you have a degree of faith. And God wants to work with whatever faith you've got. All right. So the wonderful thing about faith is that the reason it's by faith is so it may be by grace. Don't ever think that oh, don't, this person have uh, more faith than me. They've just got, they've just realized how useless they are and how big God is. All right. <laughs> yeah. So having a lot of faith basically means how knowing how inadequate you are and how adequate God is. All right. It's not complicated. All right. It's nothing to boast about because if you boast about it, bang, just gone back down the ladder again. Just see Sorrel reaching for that top. <laughs> Have to get a new ladder, brother. All the rungs going down there. We use that by way of illustration how, you know, some of the things we've got are right up there, but, but the Bible says it's faith upon faith, faith upon So we build, we go up step by step. So this nobleman, so he was a, a servant in, um, in um, the, the ruler's house there. So Capernaum was a Greek city. It was formed by the Greeks. And there's a lot of Greek thinking about it, and the Greeks are very logical, all right, whereas uh, uh, Jerusalem was, was not a Greek city. And uh, it's interesting to think, well, why were there not many miracles happening up there at the early stages of Jesus' ministry? As it progressed and they heard about it, there were many more, but, but in the early stages, there's lots of miracles happening down here. Same God, same Jesus, same word. So they heard about it, uh, the miracles, and Jesus came up. Now, Jesus, uh, his town was um, Nazareth, and then he went to Canaan. Now, Canaan was about 10, out, 10 kilometers northeast. I feel like I'm moving west, but in your eyes, I'm moving east. And then Capernaum, again, was another 30 kilometers as, as the, uh, what's the scriptural bird? Sorry? As the dove flies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that way. And so it was probably about 40 kilometers because it was hilly territory. But word evidently had got up into Capernaum and word had got into this nobleman's house. And his son was at the point of death. And so uh, we know what he believed by what he did. True? Yeah. <laughs> Is that complicated we know what he believes or what you gotta understand faith is a noun our faith is is what we what we are fully convinced of our firm conviction that's your faith if you're complicated any more than that you're not scriptural if you want to know if you've got faith go open the cupboard that says what is it that i believe i believe this i believe that okay don't look at the cupboard of feelings it's a little idea every time don't look at the cupboard of circumstances it'll lie to you go to the cupboard of what you can fully Convince is true. Faith's a noun, but believe is a verb. Yeah. And it has the same root word. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference is you're acting on it. Yeah. You might believe, you might have faith that that rope's going to hold you as you jump over. Is that a 100 meter cliff you were at the other day? 105 meters. I'm sorry, I cut it short. 
<laughs> was that a hundred minutes? No, it's a hundred and five. <laughs> that last one. That last yeah. one. Yeah. Of course, that last five minutes of rope really counts, doesn't it? I'm right so far. <laughs> right. So you might have faith that that rope holds you, but you're not believing to actually get on it. Yes. And you know it's a totally different feeling. Especially when you have Especially when you have So we know what he believed. And what he believed was, if he could get to Jesus, just get to him, and ask him to come and pray for his son, his son will be made well. So he did what must have been an overnight walk, 40 kilometers, 30, 40 kilometers overnight, because we know he got to Jesus about lunchtime. I think it was the seventh hour of the day. Seventh or eighth hour, I can't remember. It says it in there. It's about lunchtime. And he came to Jesus and said, my son is at the point of death. Come with me to Capernaum. Pray for him that he may be made well. Now that's a pretty good level of faith, don't you think? Yeah. That's like down here. Right? That's, well, <laughs> some of us might think it's way out there, but you know, really it's like, and, and sometimes it just helps to have that physical contact, you know, uh, you lay hands on people. So many people get prayed for the lay of hands because it's just a, a point of faith that they can release it, you know. Um, but very often uh, we can have a little bit of faith in, in the power of God on someone else's life. You understand that? And, and they've got a lot of faith because at, at, they've experienced it, the power of God, and many people are being healed. And sometimes we're at a stage that if I just have this tiny little bit of faith, I get to them. And, and, and healing occurs, often miracles occur, instant. So you could say that this uh, father had a little bit of faith in a big Jesus. All right? And that's all right. If that's all you've got, I think that's probably enough. Don't you? But then look at what he was asking Jesus to do. So Jesus is there ministering, and um, he's saying to Jesus, just come with me, just stop what you're doing, drop what you're doing. I know there are lots of people, sick people here, but stop what you're doing, walk overnight, 40 kilometers through the, through the tracks, you know, overnight, lay your hands on, the, on, on my son and he'll, be, and he'll be well. And Jesus says to him, you Galileans, why is it that you must see before you believe? Then the Bible says this. It says, uh, then Jesus said to him, uh, oh, then the Bible says, he kept asking. <laughs> he wasn't going to let it go. And that's all right. That's all right. He kept asking. He wasn't going to let it go. He kept pleading with him, repeated, continually, come with me. And Jesus said, he's alive. He lives. And the Bible says, he believed the word that Jesus spoke. Yeah. Guys, you don't need to have great faith. You just need to be prepared to say, I believe what Jesus says. Yeah. Because the Bible says he believed that and he turned and started to walk back. It's interesting because his servants met him on the road. Now, whether he walked overnight, I, I, my guess is he probably stayed in the lodge because if he walked overnight, he would have got back there in time. So he stayed in the lodge. And then on the path, he saw these servants 
and you you know you can tell from a distance when the when the you know if God's moved for just the way they're walking. And he said to them, what time did he start? They said, your son lives. He said, what time did he start to recover? They said, it was at this hour. And then he, he knew. Then it says he believed and the whole household believed. I find that interesting. Because that means, guys, there's hope for us because there's this level of faith here where all you really got to do is believe in how big God is and how faithful he is. And that's kind of... You know, when you start to think about it, does God tell the truth? I hope so. Yeah. Does God tell the truth? Yes. Is he able? Yes. yes. Really, I, this sounds controversial, and I don't like being controversial. <laughs> she looked up. Couldn't help but look up, could you, darling? That got your attention. <laughs> but really, what God is able to do and what he actually will do or what will come to pass in your life depends on what you believe he's able and what you're prepared to believe him for. It can be his will, he can have the power to do it, and it won't be manifest in your life. Do you know how I know that? Do you know how I know that, Dolly? Because the Bible says it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Just so. The Bible says it. Well, it, remember with the the, um, the blind people that came to Jesus in Matthew. And they're pleading for their eyesight. And they said, um, I think they said, Son of, son, son of, son of David, have, thank you. have mercy on me. So have mercy. So they weren't sure about his will. But they did believe that, because when you say have mercy, it means you, we know you've got the power to do it, but pity us, all right? And he turned to them and he said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Because he already, he, you know, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes. And he said, let it be done according to your will. That was Jesus. Um, it actually means that it flows from what will happen to you, what, what you're able to receive, is what you're able to believe for. And then the uh, the other time he really says, there's many occasions where this is inferred, but the other time that he really said it was the uh, the woman who's uh, the Canaanite woman, so she's a she's a uh, heathen, and with her child, and, and uh, Jesus, uh, and she said, even that he said, healing is for the, the children, yeah. all right? meaning that she didn't have a covenant with God um, and healing is for the children. But her faith superseded even the lack of covenant and she went into covenant with God by believing yeah. him. Yeah. All right? And he said, well, according to your faith, it's going to be done to you. And she was healed. So we have here this uh, this man who, who was willing to believe, but I... I I wonder what the walk was like after he believed and he acted. I wonder what that long walk was like. 40, 40 kilometers, 30 is the dove flies, but 40 through all the travel. I wonder what it was like. Have you ever been on one of those walks? When you've got God's word, you believe it, you can't see anything. I think on the way back, he's going, he said, I know we can, but he said, 
I know he said that he's alive. He said that he's alive. It's uh, my daughter's birthday today. Happy birthday. 30 years old. She's looking good for 30. <laughs> uh, but uh, she gets traumatized about birthday time because there's one particular birthday party we had for her. Yeah, I know. One <laughs> particular birthday party. Uh, I ran over my daughter in a tractor. What's more, I did it deliberately. You know, you can only warn your kids so often, true? <laughs> and um, anyway, she was riding on the back of the tractor. She had her friends and she leant forward. Long story short, she grabbed hold of hold of the wheel. And listen, it wasn't one of those pathetic little, oh, we've got two acres of it. This is right on tractor. No, it was a massive Ferguson. It was a big tractor. It was like wheels were this big and it had those little grids in them like this. And, and the, the engine would have weighed more than a normal car. It was a old 1960s massive Ferguson, you know. So at least uh, don't get too traumatized on it. She grabbed it and she was thrown in front of the wheel. Uh, and so I had a split second and uh, it's amazing what you can do in like thinking a quarter of a second. I went to throw my foot on the brake and and all of a sudden I could just see one when you cross a hit a brake then the the truck lurches forward so this you know g-force is making it even more heavy heavy and and secondly uh, it it would probably stall because I have to get the clutch down in time. It's a huge, heavy clutch. You've kind of got to stand on it to get it down. And so I could just in my mind, I saw the truck, the tractor on top of her stalled. Yeah. So I actually had to make a conscious decision to run over her. She's never sassed me since. <laughs> I had to make a conscious decision to run over her. And, um, but it was, that, that's not nice. No. Yeah. And so we rushed to the hospital. Linda says she can remember uh, that we had to, because we were living on a property there. By the time you get the ambulance out there, you know, so we gently lifted her into the, we drove the, tried to camera down the paddock and gently put her back into it. And she was reciting, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Is that right? Over and over again. She's crying. Over and over again. And, and we, all we can believe at that stage is that there wouldn't be serious internal damage. You know, that evil day will test your faith. Yeah. yeah. We got to the hospital and uh, she went through lots of things and the pain, I think, scaled from what to 10 was what? If, if a crocodile eats you, it's what? <laughs> it's more than a crocodile eating me. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, they did x-rays and they came out and there was no sign of internal damage, praise God. Yeah. But then they said that the pelvis is, is, is smashed in four, four places. There's three they showed us, but that always happened by pairs. And uh, she didn't show us from memory, she didn't show us the x-rays then. She did say to us, um, she may have trouble bearing, she, it's like she was just trying to bring the good news, having children. Uh, but we won't pin them together now, we'll wait till they're healed. And then when she gets a bit older, we'll break her pelvis and we'll repin it. So Linda and I uh, talked and we said, uh, what is it that we can believe? Yeah. Faith's simple, guys. It can be hard, but it's simple. And it comes down to very simple things. What has God promised? 
And you only need to understand where he said, if it's according to your faith, you know, like there's no point shooting up there. You know, and you just run over uh, your daughter, crush the daughter, and you're going to ask yourself, what is it that I can believe yes, that yes, God right. can do? Yeah. And let's, let's have that as a platform. Just give me a few minutes. What is it that I believe? Yeah. All right? And so we agreed together that her pelvis would reform beautifully and that she'd be able to have yeah. their children, which we're waiting on, by the way. <laughs> Need to get the act together. <laughs> All right? So uh, if every time I think about it, we thank you, Lord, that, that the pelvis forms perfectly. Really, just as well, they didn't show us the x-ray in some ways because six weeks later, she had a medical checkup and she went in and I can remember sitting in the doctor's, uh, we were sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor was taking an extraordinary amount of time flipping through this file and then going to look at that file and I think they've lost the files, you know, should have gone private. <laughs> <laughs> lost the files, is out. And eventually, after about five minutes, he turned to, he turned to us and he said, were you run over by a tractor? I only had that sort of said to me once before when I had a head-on collision. The nurse said, did you actually have a head-on collision? She said, were you run over by a tractor? And we said, yeah. She said, she said, I thought I'd had the wrong files. He said, look at this. So he showed us the before, and you understand the pelvis uh, has an opening like this, obviously, for the babies to go through. It looks like this. And so it sort of parts during birth. Elisa's one side of Elisa, this side was broken here and the other side was crushed up into the middle, like that, all right? And he, he had looked at the x-ray she just had and he thought, I've got the wrong x-rays. Just going back and forth, back and forth. He said, well, this is your x-ray now. And it was just like perfectly formed, like that. perfectly formed. Guys, we had that long walk of faith. After we pray to when we see it, where we've got to stand on what we know to be true, and we ask ourselves, what is it that Jesus has said? What is it that he has said? And don't get it complicated. Don't get it complicated. Friends the other day had a medical emergency, and they asked us to pray for them, and they're coming up with all sorts of things. We need more people praying. We need more people praying. And, And they said, we've got over 200 people praying. Where in the Bible? What's the secret number? 202? What is it? It's two. The Bible says if two or more of you, try and get 200 people to agree. I have enough problem agreeing with my alter ego. (laughs) Find someone else to agree. It says two. And straight away I knew, you know, and then I knew that they just weren't basing it on what Jesus had said. All sorts of religious things and religious that. And the next one I thought, oh no, was I thought the next thing they're going to say is let's bombard the gates of heaven. And sure enough, it came, let's bombard the gates of heaven. And like, I, I kind of think heaven's on our side, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But why are we bombarding heaven? And I say that because the simple thing is, what did Jesus say? Can you believe, guys, if Jesus said to you now, that if I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Would you believe it? Yeah. Yeah. Would you? But I think you can. I think you can. And some years ago, uh, we were. Linda and I went around to meet with a lady who had. Uh, I think I've told you this before. She had lead poisoning. 
Have I told everyone this? I know I. Yeah. And there was, uh, she, we could tell she had faith, but there were certain blockages to it, and one of them was Paul's thorn. You know, the old classic Paul's thorn, yeah. seriously. What was Paul's thorn? Read it. It tells you. Yeah. It was a messenger from Satan. It tells you. That's it. Just yeah. read it. <laughs> Don't complicate things, guys. He said, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Yeah. Alicia, I don't know if you saw Alicia, she's not here today, but she had this really bad infection that was like, I, I was amazed she came to church. It was embarrassing. It was like, pus coming out of this. And, the other. and, uh, and uh, I mean, she's so pretty. She can get away with a bit of pus coming out. I was like, ask me to pray for her. So I laid hands on her. I said, I want to pray for you. The healing power of God goes in. We believe that we receive. And she didn't. But she tried antibiotics and everything. Comes back next time we see her at church. She says, oh, yeah, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's gone. Yeah. So uh, we had to go through a few issues, Paul's thorn, and then finally it settled down to what, uh, you know, where it says in Peter, by stripes we were healed, and just a few issues. And then to pray with her. And then it was about six weeks later, but every time we saw her, she said, I believe I've received my healing. I believe I've received my healing. And we know she did. You know, don't pray until you know she did. And then she came into a, a box. So this is lead poisoning. Gone into her head. All right? Was walking like this when it was mucking up. Came into a Bible study. You were there. I think Margaret might have been there. I can't remember. Big smile on her face. She said, I went to the doctors today. She got my blood tests. She said, there's no more lead. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Six weeks, six weeks, hallelujah. hallelujah. Say hallelujah, someone. If he can do it for her, he can do it for you. Hallelujah. What did Jesus say? Come forward. What did Jesus say? He said, by his stripes we're healed. What did he say? He said, no weapon. The Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. What did he say? Tell me someone. So if you say to that mountain, be thou, he said, have faith in God. Yeah. If you say to that mountain, be thou removed, do not cut down your heart, but believe those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Therefore, whenever you pray, believe that you have received, you shall have. He said it. Yeah. Yeah. And how do I know it's true? Because the universe is still here. Yeah. It's upheld by the power of his word. Yeah. 